good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night to anyone who's listening to us from their bed, from their desk, from their car, from from their skateboard. After all, my co-host Dirk is also an active skateboarder. Yeah, good, you? I am. Good generic time of the day, Sebastian. Oh, good generic time of the day to you too. <laughs> so it's been a while we haven't recorded, but Dirk is so good that we have regular uh, podcasts published on todebate.net. Today is another episode. Uh, it must be 53rd episode we record something like this. You keep reminding uh, me almost of... Almost two years. You re keep reminding me of my backlog whenever you do that, because of course <laughs> on the webpage there is... But I think you're doing great episode. because you're actually very close to the, to the latest episode, if I'm not mistaken. I think you've published uh, more than 40 now on the, on, the, on the website. Yeah, we don't have that many left, so we have to keep uh, recording. And today... It's an interesting one because of the context in many countries and because of the rise of populist parties. We're going to debate about whether we need more direct democracy or not. So the motion is we need more direct democracy. And as usual for the new listeners of this podcast, uh, be reminded that each side is decided randomly. We flip a coin. It's actually a virtual coin. And that decides who's for and who's against the motion. In this case, Dirk, my co-host, will be for the motion. And we, we also flip the coin a second time to know who will start this debate. So if you're hearing me talk right now, it's because Dirk will be starting the debate. So he will be in favor of direct democracy. And again, for the new listeners out there, he will start with two minutes, not more, to uh, defend the motion. Then I will have two minutes. Then he will have three. Likewise, I will have three. And he will conclude with one minute. And I will, I will conclude with one minute. So if you're ready, and I can see the nervousness in your throat, because we're recording this over video hangout, you can start whenever you want, or if you have any opening remarks before the actual debating. <laughs> any last words? <laughs> any last words before you plunge, before you plunge, you dive into the pit, the uh, lion's den. Uh, I would say you put it so beautifully. Let's just start this. All right, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Dirk goes first and argues for the motion. Winston Churchill once said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. And he was right about that, clearly. And I encourage our listeners to think for a moment about what that actually means. It means that democracy is not perfect, neither in process nor in results, no matter how direct or indirect. I start with that because my... Arguments, of course, will contain nothing that stops you from saying Brexit and Trump and all the things that seem to point to a weakness in direct democracy. And I'm here to show that this is not a weakness per se and that these are more or less examples of bad decisions that could have been bad decisions in other systems as well. So... What is the main argument for direct democracy? Well, participation. The whole point of democracy is that people participate in the process. And direct democracy typically comes in three tools, if you will. Uh, one being uh, referendums. Second one being introduction of laws. And the third one being recalls of laws and decisions. And all of these three tools allow us in democracies to root the elected governmental officials in the will of the people and allow people to actively, directly 
participate in the decision-making process. So I mentioned Brexit. I mentioned other decisions. I would even go as far as say those are more examples of indirect democracy going wrong than about direct democracy. Pretty much everything that goes wrong right now on this planet can be traced back to party politics and to career uh, politicians. And I will argue in my next piece that this is really what calls for more direct democracy and not less direct democracy, because ultimately direct democracy is a safeguard and make sure that we stay a free society. Now it's Sebastian's turn against the motion. Yes, we do need more direct democracy. If, if we cared enough about establishing and running a democracy in the first place. And the reason I mentioned this is, and by the way, it's in reference also to one of our previous debates, which motion was about whether a democracy was preferable to, to a dictatorship. And I encourage our listeners to go back to that debate and it will be linked in our website down there to find the link. Direct democracy is just as much an illusion. In the end, there will always be people with, with most of the power and others who think they have a bit of it. They'll be, for instance, the organizers of that so-called direct democracy, and they will always try to direct and maybe tailor the questions of a referendum in a way that implies what the answer should be. And I'll have more examples around this afterwards in my three minutes. Direct democracy is a waste of people's time. They'd be better off, and I'm going to be very blunt, maybe slightly condescending right now, but they'd be better off working, being productive, rather than debating endlessly about topics they do not master fully. I do not master fully, myself, personally, the e economics, the immigration policies, the ins and outs of every single political aspect that is required to run a country properly. Organizing society is most likely a full-time job, not just something that can be done on the side by thousands, millions of amateurs. Also, it's dangerous to make people think that anyone can participate because once they realize they have been fooled, it'll be even harder to get them to even just vote at elections, just even voting. So let's fix what's wrong. Let's fix what's wrong in our current democracies, for instance, by really sending to court corrupt politicians. For instance, by not voting again for people who are not condemned for corruption or taking advantage of their position of power, wisdom of the crowds can have dreadful consequences. In this case, and, as I'll, and I'll give more examples afterwards, the tyranny of the majority is at the expense of minorities. This is what direct democracy is about. The majority will always take decisions at the expense of minorities. This is not what democracy is about. Thank you. Now, it's Dirk's turn. Let's hear his rebuttal. So, Your solution is to send governmental officials to court, uh, to jail, or to where actually? And who is making that call, do you think? Democracy requires that the people being governed legitimize the ruling. They are the ones giving the power to those who are in official positions. The less process, the less participation, the less uh, you can argue that you're actually representative of the people. That's problem number one. Now, I'm not calling for people to do the daily work of governing a whole nation state. They are not asked to do the everyday decisions in direct participatory ways, because you're right. That's not feasible. That's just not possible. People have neither the knowledge nor the time 
to really grasp every single detail and make every daily decision. But we have better tools than ever before to get close to this. And there are plenty of questions and plenty of decisions that can be done by uh, citizens of our nations. And studies show that it's just not true that those decisions done by the populace, if you will, end up being bad or less intelligent or less considerative than if they have been done by elected officials. There may be outliers. Sometimes they make a stupid decision. Sometimes the populace is just following the, the mainstream opinion. But in reality, when you look at hundreds and thousands of decisions that are being made in a direct democratic way, most of these decisions turn out to be okay. And most of these decisions are potentially smart decisions and definitely decisions that keep the democratic society rooted in the people's will. Now, you mentioned a couple of things about fixing our current system. Uh, the problem with our current system is the less democratic participation you have, the more power has the elected party and the elected official to change the system at will. And we see this right now in our democratic societies globally. Trump is an excellent example of this. If he could just roam freely, he would have made much deeper and much more holistic changes by now. It's in reality the, the direct democracy and the people that are standing up and trying to avoid uh, further damage. And I would argue having more systems in place in times when we are safe and calm protects us from times when things go south and democracy is under siege. And we see that in systems all around us, uh, especially in Europe. There are plenty of countries that have no history of direct participation that are now being deconstructed by parties and politicians that have the party and their own faith in mind and not the good of the people. So yes, we do need more direct democracy, not less. Next up, Sebastian. Let's hear it. So let me start by addressing some of the points that you have raised. Trump as an example, ever. Uh, Trump is going to be our examples, I think, for the next two years still, for whatever debate we're talking about. So Trump, it's interesting because it illustrates how if you fix democracy, you don't have to resort to direct democracy. Let's fix something, the legacy of the past, the electoral college in the US. If you just have direct democracy or even just people voting instead of going through an electoral college in the US, you would not have had Trump in the first place, right? even before him having more power. So that's what I'm, what I'm calling in terms of direct democracy, is just fixing democracy as we call it today. We don't need more referendums. We don't need them to participate in the direct laws or referendums. And the reason I say this is you say, it can be a tool for people to make some decisions. But here's the thing. Yes, it is true. It could be a tool. But the problem is, it is also abused as a tool. And there's an illusion that this is for more democracy, but because, but because people think or may believe they have more democracy, they become more passive and they don't realize that gradually the tool is being used by a fascist government. And I'll give you one example, which is close to us. It's in the European Union. It's Hungary. If you look at Hungary for the past 20 years, they've had a number of referendums and national consultations from democracy building to strategic aims like participation to the EU to NATO to instruments of outsourced daily political debate between a populist government and the opposition. And for instance, they've had two debates, two referendums 
on questions which are actually illegal by European standards, but they still went ahead because it is a fascist government. And I'm going to say it bluntly again, it is a fascist government, democratically elected. But one of those questions was, which is illegal, whether, and that was whether the EU was competent on the settlement of migrants in Hungary. No, it is a free flow of people across the EU. The Hungary has lost its competence to be able to decide on this. So it is used by a fascist government to give the illusion of democracy to the people, to the citizens of Hungary, and not realizing that actually it's, it's counterproductive. Also, I'll give you another example, which is very close to my heart for, for some reason. And that's in 1981. The French government, which got elected through the elections back then, decided on the, the first thing they, they voted on was the abolishment of the death penalty in France. Now, the majority of the population was not in favor. They still went ahead. If you ask today, the majority, I think, of the French people would still be in favor of the death penalty. But it's one of the conditions, the foundations of being part of the EU. Right? You cannot be a member state if you have death penalty in your justice system. So I want to illustrate here where direct democracy or getting people to ask on very important questions or some questions which, which actually may be legal is the wrong thing to do. It's not as easy as saying, oh, just give the power to the people on decisions. And, you, and which one do you choose? I'm not against asking them to if they want to join the EU, but then where do you stop? Where do you draw the line? So you have to be very careful in how you use that tool. And that's why I think in light of all the issues that we see in democracy today, it's more about fixing the issues that exist. And people can vote for people who are not corrupt. That's already education. Let's educate people on how to vote today. So that's why I don't think we need more direct democracy today. Final statements. Dirk goes first. In my final minute, I have to cram it all in, right? This is a pretty arrogant view of the people, I would say. Because what you essentially say is, yeah, the few people that are politicians and professionals in how to work governments are more competent and the regime that we create in our societies are more competent to take uh, really strong, important and high moral decisions than the people. So you basically say the masses are dumb, therefore we need to protect them from themselves and whoever gets elected into power knows better. And what is the reality? The reality is that the Americans cannot really vote freely because they have to vote for either Republicans or Democrats and whatever party they vote for, they, they get a lot of stuff they actually don't care about in order to get one issue through. The other reality, yes, for everything that might go wrong if you do a direct democratic vote, there are other things that might end up being on the agenda that deserve attention. Just these past few weeks, the, the German Minister of the Interior basically brought everything to a halt over a refugee crisis discussion, uh, where he claimed the people demand a decision. And by the way, he demanded a decision that's in essence talking about maybe five to ten people on a, on a daily basis. So he, he held the whole country hostage. And then a few media outlets here made surveys and asked the people what they believe are important topics. And the topics this minister of the interior claimed to be the number one topic we need to bring everything to a halt over was not even on that list. So I would argue that our system of career politicians and parties does exactly what you claim it should avoid. People get passive. People vote and don't do anything else. People stop caring in our current system. And it's proven over and over that direct democratic systems, even 
if they are sometimes flawed and may not always lead to the smartest decision or the best decision, they increase participation, they increase how much people care, and they make people really read up and participate, which is what democracy is all about. Sebastian. Yes, I actually do think a number of politicians are more competent, but not on moral decisions. That's not what I said. I think on everyday economic political decisions, yes, I think they are more competent and they need to protect the, the minorities, not the, the people necessarily. The problem with getting more direct democracy is, again, the tyranny of the majority will be at the expense of the minorities, the ethnic groups, the migrants people who may not have the incentive to vote at elections. So yes, we do need these safeguards. And that's also the safeguards against the majority, not necessarily all the people. It's a, it's a complex aspect. And you mentioned Brexit, and I did not mention it so far. Brexit was used as a tool by the British Prime Minister back then, David Cameron, as a vote of confidence, right? He had promised this as part of his election campaign, and then he had to go through it, right? And that was stupid, because thank you, Vladimir, It was constructed on a bunch of lies and deception, and people voted without having the full information. So in the end, indeed, I am not in favor of more direct democracy. I think you need to have better, stronger politicians who know what they're doing. And that's it. That's my stance. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. If you have uh, comments on this debate, don't hesitate to go to todebate.net. You can leave comments and you can email us. Any final remarks? Because this is uh, an open democracy. Uh, every co-host has uh, the ability to chime in. Uh, thank you for debating with me. It was fun as usual. All right. Thank you for listening. And on to our next debate. Thank you. Can you also hear the sound in your head when you say, let's do this? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, let's do this. In fact, whenever I say, let's do this to people, you know, like you know, over email, about like work stuff or anything, it's, it, I have this in my head. Oh my God, I'm clearly brainwashed. <laughs>
Mm. So uh, you could you could simply say there is no such thing like a national referendum on a question of this magnitude. Full stop. If you want to if you want to kill something of this magnitude, then you have to break it down into individual referenda. And then in the end, I'm pretty sure if you do this and you you ask people about questions they actually can answer, the end result wouldn't have been a Brexit. And now I'm in one of these. Uh, debates where I end up pretty confused, uh, not <laughs> not completely sure if I have to rethink my position. <laughs>